Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Gabby. And I'm Sarah. And we are two physical therapy students on our journey to get that DPT debt free. And our vision for you is to get through PT school on your first try without any debt. Join us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. This episode is brought to you by the SPT Navigation System. We're here to help you navigate through your PT school journey, whether it's your first time or your second lap around, and get you through debt-free. As PT students, this is what we would have wanted to help us navigate PT school, and so we've created all of this for you. We give you the tools and resources that school does not give you in order to get into the right mindset for school success, adjusting to the heavy workload of PT school, studying smarter, managing your stress and your time, making connections, and other tools you need in order to become a debt-free SPT. Click the link in the description to join the upcoming class. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And for today's episode, we have a very special guest for all of you and someone who we wanted on the podcast for so long, and he is here today. Josh Payne is in the house. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you both, Gabby and Sarah, for having me on. This, this has definitely been something that's, that's, uh, that's been in the works or we've talked about it for a long time, and I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're so glad you're here because like we said, like before our little chat, before the episode started recording, this is needed and we're really excited to talk about it. So before we get into it, can you kind of give a brief introduction of kind of who you are um, and what got you into physical therapy in the first place? Yeah, so those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. Um, I'm the owner now of the Mobile Concierge Coaching Academy and uh, Concierge PT Business Coaching, and the previous owner of Freedom Physical Therapy, but we will probably get into that on this podcast. Um, but what got me into physical therapy in the first place was, you know, like I say, it, it's it, my story of how I got into PT is, is, is like a lot of other people's, but um, really, I was, uh, I was actually, this part is very interesting, is I was... Uh, uh, working with SMU football to become an athletic trainer between basically when I was a freshman in college, a freshman, freshman undergrad. And so I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Um, I wanted to work in, in football or basketball. Those were my sports all my life. And I tried that. And, and if there's any athletic trainers that are on this, that, that listen to this podcast, nothing against it. I just said, you know what? I'm not quite sure if that's, that's right for me. Um, and so I, I decided to explore other options then what happened was I was skiing in Breckenridge, uh, going, actually practicing some, uh, some 180 turns on a green run, because all my friends make fun of me that I, that I basically did this on a green run. And, uh, and I'm going down a little green run, practicing some moves on some skis. And uh, one, one ski went through and kind of caught and just went one direction and the other went the other direction. And I, I, I had the unhappy triad. So uh, torn ACL, torn MCL, torn meniscus, um, all the whole works. Right. And I got thrust into PT. I was only, gosh, I don't know, like 19 or 20 at the time. And I, I thought PT was stupid. I was like, ah, I don't want to go to PT. And I ended up meeting this, this PT that, that really 
was the reason that I got back to basketball and intramural football and all those things so quickly. And so I, I basically switched my career path and said, all right, no more athletic training. I'm going into physical therapy. It's a doctorate. I think this is the direction that I need to go. And so that's, that's what started it all. So you wanted to be an athletic trainer in the first place. Was it because you were so involved in sports or what kind of spurred that? Yeah, I was so involved in sports. And then I also had a connection. One of my, one of my best friends that I grew up with, his, um, his uncle is the uh, head trainer at SMU. And so uh, I kind of had a connection there and I was like, ah, it's a great football school anyway. Um, let me kind of get my feet wet there. And uh, that, that was really, that was really it. I was just, I just love sports. I wanted to be around athletes for the rest of my life. And, and I had that one connection. I was like, okay, cool. Let's explore it. And let's start on the athletic training path when I was a freshman at Texas Tech. And how was getting into PT school for you? How was that process? Getting into PT school was, was tough. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not shy about sharing this anymore. Um, I wasn't the best student. When I went off to college, um, partied, I, I did all kinds of stuff. Um, I was not the perfect student. And, uh, <laughs> and that, didn't come, that didn't come till later when, when really the, uh, the, the motivation for why I was doing what I was doing really kicked in. Um, but, you know, what comes with not being the greatest student is you know, grades were, were, were highly mediocre as well. And so it was difficult getting into PT school. I was waitlisted to four different schools. Um, and I only got into one school at, right from the beginning. I only got into one school and that was university of Texas at El Paso. And I'm from Texas, born and raised in Texas, El Paso. I love you if you're from El Paso and you listen to this podcast, but I don't want to live in El Paso. My goodness. And so, um, I was getting ready to go out there and then all of a sudden Texas tech calls me literally seven days before they started their physical therapy program and said, Hey, we've got a spot at Lubbock campus. Somebody just took, you know, basically another, another spot. You're the, you're the next guy up done, you know, canceled my thing with UTEP and went to Texas tech and the rest is history. <laughs> but, but to answer your question, it was very difficult to get into PT school, very difficult. And I really didn't think that I was going to get in, but luckily UTEP and Texas tech, you know, took a chance on me. <laughs> so Yeah. That's amazing. And especially, you know, last minute, like this is your dream school that you wanted to go to. And, you know, at that point when you get accepted, you're like, okay, well, this is not my top school, but I'm going to PT school. And then seven days, oh my gosh, seven days before. So did you have to move far or was it a pretty like smooth transition uh, to Texas Tech? No, it was definitely it, like, I mean, it was, it was a God thing. Like I lived in Lubbock already. So um, I, I, I got Lubbock campus at Texas Tech, so I didn't have to move anywhere. I stayed in the same apartment and just started going to school at the same school. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is awesome. And then, so you got into PT school and how was it like your first semester, that transition of going and having all this information thrown at you at once? Uh, take us through like first semester and then uh, to just the end of PT school. Yeah, so... <laughs> Pete, you know, I'm married to a physical therapist as well. My wife, Shelby, is brilliant, and school always came easy for her. But you guys, this probably is going to come as no surprise to, to all of you that are listening. 
As soon as I went into PT school, I brought some of those bad habits from undergrad into PT school, and I had a tough time. Um, if it wasn't for my study partner, and really the only reason that I studied was because I wanted to get to know my wife. <laughs> and, and so that was, thank, thank God that that happened, right? Because it forced me to study, um, but I really didn't want to. And that first semester with under, I mean, I'm sorry, with grad school, with, uh, with anatomy lab was 100% eye-opening. Um, and that was really the moment for me that I said, okay, like the fun and games has to be a little, it doesn't mean I can't have fun and games, but I have to take this a little bit more seriously or else I'm going to fail out of this, this program. And so that's when I really, that it was that first semester that I kicked it into high gear, um, started to study nonstop with my soon to be wife now, Shelby and, uh, kicked butt. I think I got like an, ended up getting like an 89 in anatomy or something like that. So, um, where I was literally close to failing out after our first few tests. So, um, so I'm just, I'm just keeping it real that, uh, I had a tough time and it took, it took a lot of reflection of me saying, all right, like you, how bad do you actually want this? How bad do you actually want to have a career that you can depend on and how bad do you want to be successful in your career? So, um, it was a big kind of like gut check moment that first semester. And I think so many students relate to that. Uh, I know Gabby and I can relate to that. Like going into PT school feels like quite a, uh, a shock. Like initially that first semester, especially with anatomy is tough. And what habits did you change to help get that 89 in anatomy or whatever it is? I think it was just, it was just discipline. Um, you know, it was, it was discipline and stopping, stopping with, you know, stopping with the partying, to be honest with you. Um, there was those two things. And, and once I started to actually study and actually put in the work, it's amazing what happens, right? Shocker. <laughs> and it's, it's really as simple as that. Um, you just, you just gotta be willing to put in the effort and the work. I, I don't think that I saw anyone in our class that really put in the, the true effort and the true work that didn't pass that first semester. And how was the rest of PT school? So after you kind of, you started to buckle down, you did all the stuff, you had the discipline, how was the rest of PT school? And also, what did you expect after PT school? Yeah, so PT school, um, again, it was, it, was a, it was the most challenging three years of my life academically. I'm not a, I'm not a like I'm not, I'm not a student. And, well, I'm a student to learning knowledge, but, but I'm, not a, I'm not a student in the academic world. I, I've always been bad at that. And that's not just an excuse. I just was bad at it. You put me into a practical situation, boom, I'll, I'll, I'll crush it. But you put me into a test situation and anxiety flares up and, and all of the like and just never been good there. So um, all of PT school was a struggle. All of PT school the entire three years. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I think this is really important to share. Lots of the students that went through school with me now reach out to me and they say, Josh, you're a completely different person. Like you have so much confidence. You, you, you've done all this stuff in your career and all this. And I tell them the same thing every single time. It's because my confidence was so poor in school. I, I, I thought compared to everybody else, I was like the bottom of the class, which I kind of was when I graduated, but 
guess what? C's get degrees, right? And, uh, and it doesn't matter. Like I worked my butt off, but I always felt like everyone else was better than me, smarter than me, um, you know, quicked up, picked up on things faster than me. Um, and, and that's why I was so quiet. And that's why, cause, cause I just really was just like, everybody else is better than me. I just gotta kind of have to buckle down and study. Um, and that's why it was so hard for me. I think it was just this, this mental battle of constantly comparing myself to everyone else in my class while still trying to keep my grades up. Ooh, that comparison game though. It's, it's so relevant and it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to do, especially when you're getting grades back and people are saying, Oh, you know, this is what I got on my anatomy exam or MSK exam. And then you're like, well, I didn't do very well. What is it that I need to change or who do I need to, um, you know, contact like my professor and everything. So it's, it's the real thing. And it does, I mean, I can say like, we've both had, you know, uh, we've both had to deal with the comparison game and it just shoots your confidence down and you're, you're like, you don't feel like you belong there. And I know a lot of students feel that, but just to hear someone else say it, like, you know, it's, it's real, but how are you going to overcome it and become better at it and just know that you belong and you're going to get through this program. Like this is what you want. So, um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think the, the, the main thing that always got me through was just, it sounds cliche, but just the light at the end of the tunnel, just saying, okay, all I got to do is just get there, get there, get there, get there. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what kept me driven and what kept me motivated. Um, but then as soon as I, you know, as soon as I got done with school, as soon as I passed the, the exam, like then, then all of that, I don't know, all of the confidence and all of the, um, uh, everything that I knew was there, you know, started to come out more, but, but really school, it was just like this, you know, and school's great, but it was just for me, it, that constant comparison game, constantly feeling like I'm not, I wasn't good enough in school. It just started to weigh at me to, to where, to be honest with you both. And I hope you're both cool with me being this, this real and honest, um, that even when I got to graduation, I was just like, whatever, just get me my degree. <laughs> like get me out of here and get me my degree and let me go practice. And, and I was extremely grateful and extremely proud of what I had done, but I was just, I was so, just so ready to, to just be a PT um, because of, of all that, that it was just, it was a long three years, but, but for those of you watching, like you've got to do it to get into this amazing profession, right? So it's just, it, you, you got to do it. Just like, just like if you want to go in the military, you got to go through boot camp, right? Um, it's the same exact thing. And so for those of you, you, you listening that maybe resonate with that story, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not all bad. Like physical therapy school was still a blast at the same time. It was just really hard, you know, for some of us that it doesn't come extremely easy for, right? And that's why we have this podcast because school does not come easy for Gabby or myself. <clears throat> and so that's why we appreciate people like you who are already PTs. You're there. You're past the finish line, right? This past the, the finish line that we have uh, not quite made it to. And you can look back and see things that we can't see right now. And that everyone listening can try to imagine what is past the finish line. And it makes PT school that much, not easier, like 
I don't want to say the word easy, but it, it makes it more doable because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, like you said, um, just like a race, just like boot camp, just like anything. If you keep the finish line in mind, the journey is much easier. Absolutely. So I appreciate it. And I think, I think, uh, we're going to, I'm going to go deeper here for a second. Like that's a meta, what, what I've learned, like that's a, that's a metaphor for life as well is when you come out of PT school, then you're going to have to set other goals for yourself to reach towards. If you don't, you're just going to stay stagnant in the profession. Right. And so like this, but this, this isn't just a physical therapist. This is, you know, I don't know, a real estate agent. This, this is any profession. You always have to be setting more and more markers for yourself to hit. And so lots of you right now, you're probably, you probably still feel pretty motivated to get done with PT school. And that's because you've got this big, this big thing that you want to achieve. You want to get that DPT. You want to get, you, you want to graduate. You want to get on that stage and get your, you know, all that stuff. But once, then once you graduate, apply that same, that same mentality to your career and say, all right, what am I going to do next? What am I working towards next? And that's going to help you to continue to stay motivated because I think, I think for me, when I, when I got thrust out of PT school, it was hard because I was like, okay, well now what am I working towards? And it took me about two years, to, well, four years to figure that out. So. Ooh, let's talk about it. So how was, what did you expect out of Ooh, PT that was school? A good, that was a good transition. That was it? great. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what was the question? What did you expect out of PT school? Like when you graduated, what did you expect out of your first job? What was it like? Um, kind of talk about the expectations versus reality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell the exact story because I feel like stories are the best way for you to learn. So I get out of PT school. I start searching for my first job. I got it early because I got whatever the early where you can basically practice before you actually get your license. Um, so I started practicing like June. Oh my goodness, 2013, and um, and so I get my first job for sixty-three thousand dollars a year at a at an ortho clinic. I'm like, yes, let's do this. They told me uh, it was right next to UNT, um, University of North Texas. They're like, oh my gosh, we've got uh, all these athletes that come in, and uh, you're gonna fit in perfectly with treating our athletes. The other two therapists were two women at the clinic, and they're like, oh, we need a guy. Uh, we definitely need a guy who's into athletes and all of that. I was like, perfect, perfect fit. Let's do this. So $63,000 a year at the time I'm driving a beat up red Chevy Silverado single cab. Um, this thing was beat up hundreds of thousands of miles on it. So first thing I did was like, okay, got it. I got a real big boy job. I'm going to turn this thing in. I'm going to get a car. Great. Got, got myself a brand new Nissan Xterra Pro 4X. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's super, you know, super nice. And there's a reason that I'm telling you this story because I think that lots of people get a lot out of this. <laughs> and then, uh, so after that, I was like, okay, cool. I'm a big boy. I got my big boy car now. I feel good. Feel, feel so accomplished. This is great. All right, now I got to get my own apartments because basically my choice right now is to, I, I want to move back to the Dallas area and I got to live with my parents or get my own apartment. Duh, I'm gonna get my own apartment. All right, get a cool apartment. I've got my car, I've got my apartment. And then, and then I start to go to work. And this was all before I got my first paycheck, by the way. I was just like, all right, let's just, let's do this. I'm, didn't I tell you that I was so ready for adult life? So I thought, 
um, that that I was like, okay, let's go, let's 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 do all these things. I just, I'm just re I'm ready to be an adult already. Um, and so I get my first paycheck. I'm like, okay, all right, cool. This is awesome. I'm getting paid, you know, obviously more money than I had ever been paid before. And I was enjoying my job. I was like, this is a beautiful life. Like I'm enjoying my job. I, I like where I work. I'm getting paid well. I've got a brand new car. I've got a brand new apartment. Like, let's go. This is, this is awesome. And so about four weeks in, I get two paychecks and um, I was like, wait a second. Uh, I've got student loans that are going to kick in soon. And so I started to look into that. I hadn't even looked into it, Gabby and Sarah. I didn't even look into it at all. And I started to look into it. I was like, oh man, student loans, crap. Oh, let me pull up Fed loans real quick. And I see that it was going to be like, it was going to be like between 800 and $1,000 a month. And so I started doing all the calculations, which I had never done before because I'd always just been doing, using student loans. And I never put myself on a real budget. And I look at everything. I'm like, whoa. I don't have enough money to live. Like I don't have enough money for groceries <laughs> because I bought that stupid car and I bought this and I got that. And then I forgot about the student loans. And so it was like this big, like crashing down of adulthood crashing down on me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so irresponsible. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, so, so eventually fast forward a little bit. Um, I basically had to, uh, I had, I eventually sold the car. I mean, everything worked out fine, guys. I was perfectly fine, but it was just this crashing down of, wow, I'm a real adult. I better start taking care of my finances. Um, and then also uh, I quickly realized, and this is probably a better answer to your, to your, to your question is I quickly realized that uh, that ortho clinic was not for me. Um, they actually did not have that many athletes come into that clinic. In fact, their main referral source was a pediatric doc, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, a podiatrist, um, so a foot doctor. And so I literally did manual on people's feet all day long, like a, like a conveyor belt of feet. And I don't like, I don't like to be touched that much. Like I've never gotten a massage in my entire life, but, but touching someone else's feet, like I'm not, I don't wanna do that all day long. I really, really, really don't. Um, and so I moved on from that and I went into home health and that's kind of where my whole story began. So I know that was maybe more than you asked for, but I also think that story is really important for some people to hear because I, I feel like I can't be the only one that, that, that crashes into adulthood and realizes, oh crap, like I need to be more responsible now. Oh yeah. That story for everyone who's listening, rewind that part, just go back because a lot of students, they they go into that, they jump into the adult and saying, you know what? I don't want to live with my parents. Maybe you live with them during PT school and you're like, I need my own place, but then I also need my own car. And you may have credit card debt. You're like, okay, like all of these things. But then once those loans kick in and you realize that six month grace period is coming to an end, you're like, oh no. And it's, it's a reality for so many people because they're they don't want to think about it until after graduation. And it isn't until that time where you're like, oh, I have all these expenses now. How am I going to pay off all of these things? And it's the mentality of it, of just like thinking everything's going to be okay. But um, that, oh man, <laughs> that needed to be heard. So going from your, uh, your 
job, like, oh gosh, I can't even imagine, you know, massaging feet. Like that's just not my thing. So I can't even imagine <laughs> um, what it is. But uh, after that, how long were you uh, at your first job and then transitioned into home health? Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna fast forward to that in two seconds. But but as soon as you were talking, Gabby, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to tell I need to tell a quick story real quick. So um, the most humbling moment when I finally came to realization that I had car, apartment, student loans. I was inside of Tom Thumb. I looked. I was just. I was literally in my Wells Fargo bank account, and I saw that I had a dollar dollar and seventy cents in my checking account. And my mom called me. My mom calls me on the phone and she's like, hi, honey. Like, how are you doing? How's your new apartment? How are things going? And, and I was like, oh, it's great, mom. Like, like, this is fantastic. And she was like, you know, how is everything going? Have you bought groceries? And, you know, all the mom questions, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm at the grocery right now. Actually going to get groceries. Thanks, mom. And I appreciate it. Click. And, and I'm still looking at my account. I'm like $1.70. And I will never forget. I bought one, I bought about the cheapest package of bread that I could and eggs. And I went back to my apartment and I lived off of bread and eggs for one day, 24 hours. That's all I lasted. And then I showed up at my mom's house, which is 20 minutes away. And I was like, Hey mom, so this, so this is what happened. Um, and I don't have much money for groceries. Could I, uh, kind of like, can I live here for like two weeks before I kind of just really like get everything before my next paycheck and then I'll go back and, and I'm going to do things right and figure all this out. So, so <laughs> I thought that was really important to share. So I, I did, I did do that and everything did work out guys. It was great. But, um, but anyway, I'll fast forward home health, um, basically worked for six months in an outpatient clinic, moved to uh, a home health job. And, uh, that's when I really fell in love with PT for the first time was actually doing home health. I did home health for two years. Um, but then basically what started to wear on me quite a bit was the documentation side of things. Um, and to be honest with you, I worked for a all Medicare Medicaid company in Dallas. Um, and I became the go-to guy for seeing people in very, very low income areas. We're talking about extremely sad situations. We're talking about not even like shacks, not even like me having trouble just finding addresses at times. Um, me seeing people in extended stay hotels, like, like stuff like that. It got bad. And so that started to wear on me. And then the documentation started to wear on me a lot as well. So were you expecting out of PT school to be in this more ortho like sports setting and be able to kind of afford everything like you said with your story that was so relatable and i know we've had so many conversations with students like about very similar situations so you're not alone and all the students out there who just graduated and you're like feeling this right now you're not alone <laughs> um so you expected the ortho thing and then what made you go home health then? Was it the actual work or was it the money or what was it? Yeah, two things. So I'm not going to lie. Uh, that's not my job when I get on any podcast. I'm not, I'm just going to tell you the exact truth. I wanted more, I, I definitely wanted more money. Um, but, but the biggest driver was I actually realized something about myself and I encourage all of you listening to, to really find this for yourself is I could not be stuck in a clinic all day. 
when I was, when I, I had, I, when I had my first clinic job, I was in the clinic literally basically from six to six every single day. Cause I would get there early, do notes, you know, I was a good, I was a good employee. I was a good PT. Um, and, uh, so I was there from six to six and I just love to be, I love to be outside like Gabby is right now. Like that, that lifts me up. And like, especially living in the state of Texas, like, yeah, it gets hot, but like, I love sunny weather and I love being outside. And so I just started to real, I started to feel this pull. I was like, Oh my gosh, like not only can I get paid more, but I can just drive around all day, listen to music, listen to podcasts. Like what? Um, this is made for me. Uh, all of you physical therapists that, that enjoy clinics go right ahead, but I'm going into home health. And so that's what I did. And I found an amazing, amazing company that I, that I worked for in Dallas and I absolutely fell in love with it. But just like with anything, just like with anything good, there's always going to be some bads. And so I started to kind of, uh, you know, it started to wear on me a little bit as well. And how was the transition out of home health? Because you're not in that right now. Um, what was that like? Yeah, so I actually went back to outpatient for a little bit. I actually uh, co-owned, co-owned um, or so I thought, a small clinic inside of Lifetime Fitness for, for about uh, seven to eight months and ran that clinic. Um, so I went, I went outpatient clinic, home health, then back to the outpatient setting. Um, and really, I love that. I love that clinic inside of Lifetime Fitness. I got to see amazing clientele. Um, really, it was just the running the clinic side of things. Um, I, long story short, I found out that Lifetime Fitness basically owned me. Um, I was told as a young PT, and this is helpful for a lot of you, I was told as a young PT, um, we're looking for an entrepreneurial spirit of a physical therapist to run this clinic. Um, and basically, we're going to give you 20% ownership in the clinic. Great. I saw 20% ownership. I was like, done. Let's do this. This is my ticket. Let's go. Um, quickly realized that guess what? 20% ownership isn't as much as you may think because there's things like overhead and there's things like expenses that I didn't know about. And so I quickly started doing the math over that first six months. And I said, wait a second. If I want to make $90,000 or more per year, this must be a $1 million clinic. Mind blowing moment. I was like, okay, this isn't for me. Like they own me. I like, I have no leverage here. Um, this is not providing me any forward future growth. I'm going to go move to Colorado. <laughs> and so, so my wife and I went, both went to Texas tech and both of us had said, because guys, all of you listening, physical therapy is the greatest profession in the world because you can move to any state, any city in the entire country, and you can get a job within a week. And so my wife and I said, all right, cool. Let's move to just somewhere in the United States. We, we were talked about Florida and Colorado. Um, and basically, we decided after a lot of uh, looking into each state, we were like, Colorado's where we need to go. We've always, you know, the mountains are calling kind of thing. And we, sure enough, we actually both got jobs within two weeks while we were still in Texas over the phone. Um, never, I didn't even get on Zoom interviews with anybody. Um, over the phone, we both got a job within two weeks. We sold pretty much everything that we owned. Um, and started off pretty lean and we moved to Colorado. I got another home health job and my wife got another skilled nursing job. And so just to fast forward the story a little bit, um, basically it was another home health job 
And um, I started to realize that, wow, these trends that I'm seeing in home health occur at every single home health company, and I'm getting sick of this. Uh, I have so many things that I want to go. So many different paths I want to go with that, but <laughs> we're going to stick with your journey. So Gabby, did you want to add anything to that? Oh, yeah. I was going to say just the, it's the pattern of it. Like you thought it would be different in a different state, but not. So you can, from there, what, you know, what were you thinking, especially moving to a new state and then deciding, oh, like, again, this is not what I thought it would be. Yeah. So it all came down to literally one, one, one night. It was, uh, a, actually it was about six months into moving to Colorado. Uh, my wife and I had this small little 600 square foot apartment. It was a blast. It was, it was, it was near Denver. Um, and, but Denver is very expensive. So that's all we could afford. And we're living in this apartment. And basically my routine every day was, was to come home around 4:30 to five from home health. I would go into the leasing office of our apartment uh, building. And that was, they had a little uh, office that anybody could use. And I would literally lock myself in that office and I would work on my notes before I would go see my wife because I knew myself and I knew if I went home, those notes aren't getting done. So that was my routine every single day. And so about six months into living there, I, I literally came home from work one day and I was staring at my computer in front of me that had three Oasis documents on it. Um, for those of you that don't know, typically on average, one Oasis document start of care and home health is going to take you about 50 minutes. And so basically I was looking at about two hours and 45 minutes of documentation in front of me, which had to be done in the next 24 hours. And I'm looking at this and for whatever reason this day, I was just like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm about, I'm three and a half, four years out as a PT. I'm, I'm done with this. And I literally like, slammed my notebook shut, slammed my computer shut. I don't even know, probably almost broke it because I was so mad. I slammed my computer shut. I threw it into my backpack. I was furious and I walked across the street to our apartment and I came flying through the front door and my wife was standing there at in, in the kitchen actually starting to make us some dinner. And you know, why I was so pissed because I was just asking myself, I was just like, what am I doing? Like. This is not what I signed up for. Why did I work so hard? Like, wh why, why am I having to do three hours of documentation when I get home? Like, I'm not a lab rat. I just want to treat patients. I, like, why? What, what, what am I working towards? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost 30 and I'm newly married. Like, what am I doing with my life was all the questions I was asking myself. And so I go flying through the door and I start complaining about those notes that I just decided not to do. And my wife looks at me kind of very harshly, because you've got to understand, she's, she's experienced me over three and a half years. I had had six jobs up to this point. And my wife looks at me and she says, Josh, are you ever going to be happy with your job as a physical therapist? And I quickly looked at my wife and I was like, no, not as long as it continues to be like this. And so that was the moment for me. My wife was not happy with me, by the way. She was not happy with me. And she was like, you got to figure your stuff out. You got to figure your ish out, right? And uh, so that began, began the path. I, I relentlessly started researching, how do I get out of this physical therapy profession? How do I find a role that's good for me? 
I contemplated going into real estate because I love talking with people. I, I had all these contemplations, but ultimately I felt I, I did one search. I, I, I decided I was like, what if I could become my own contracted employee? And I typed it into Google and eventually I came across Karen Litzy, which Karen, shout out to you. If you listen to this podcast, come came across Karen Litzy in New York. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's got a concierge physical therapy practice. What is concierge physical therapy? And it led me down that whole rabbit hole. But guess what? When I searched it back then, there wasn't much about it besides one person, one person. And I cannot even remember her name. And I wish I could give her a huge shout out. She's in Austin, Texas. One person had written a small little ebook on it. I downloaded her ebook and I started to basically put the pieces in place to create my concierge practice. And literally when I say the rest is history, because I went on to create a concierge practice and now I coach PTs on that. And that's literally what I do to this day. That's insane for many people listening. They're like, wait, you went from not knowing what this thing was to coaching people on how to do it for themselves. And what was the timeline like for that? So what year was it that you started or like, when did you look into concierge? Yeah, it's so crazy. My wife and I were just looking at the exact timeline because she always gets on to me. She's like, you like, you never have your timelines right. And that's true. Um, I, I, I don't, but March, 2017 was when I officially started my practice. October, 2016 was when I had this aha moment. So, uh, it was October, 2016 when I had that moment with my wife in our apartment. And then it was March, 2017 that I officially fully launched my practice and really got going. So what, like eight months? I can't math. Gabby, is that eight months? Nine yeah, months? Yeah, wait. <laughs> Nine months, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that was, it was about six months. It was, it was about five months. to six months. But, but, but I started seeing patients um, about three months after that epiphany. So about January 2017, I started seeing patients. Um, uh, I already had my LLC and all that stuff, but I didn't officially go all into my practice until March 2017. Okay. So really within four to six months, I completely shifted everything that I was doing in PT. How was the first year? First year was very difficult, but I'll tell you, everybody always tells me this. And, and, and this is so important for people to understand because I'm so passionate. And this is why I'm so passionate about talking about it now is everyone fears struggle. And I do not understand it. Like I do not understand it anymore because there was so much struggle that first year. So much financial struggles, which, but you guys have, I mean, I've dealt with financial struggles since I became a PT, like, like financial struggles aren't new to me. And so like that couldn't be an excuse. And so, and, and so that really wasn't a big factor to me. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. We've got $0 in our savings account for the longest time. What's, what's another few years with zero in the savings account. And so, so anyway, um, I, I just thrust myself into that. It was so difficult though, because my wife, had to take on a lot of the burden. I had a dream and behind every big dream definitely is, you know, an angel of a person, whether that's your parents, whether that is your significant other, whatever that may be. And, and my wife basically said, all right, you know, all right, babe, like, if you want this, like, I think, I think you need to go after it. 
And my wife literally got, my wife was working full-time at a sniff. And then she also worked uh, Saturdays at another sniff to help us to stay afloat financially. Um, and, and then I was bringing in a small amount of money as well, doing uh, PRN home health when I started my practice. And so my wife stepped up big time. And that was probably one of the hardest parts for me. I was working my butt off, but it was very difficult um, seeing my wife have to work even harder to support my dream as well. That was probably the hardest part for me. Wow. So, so in that first year, uh, you know, trying to get everything together and doing a ton of research. Now, how did you, this might be, I don't want to, I still want to get into this, but like, how did you find your first client? Like, how are you putting yourself out there? whether that be getting connected with local businesses or how did that start off? Yeah. So my first, my first, uh, actually two clients or three clients, two to three clients, I can't remember. Um, but basically came fairly easily. And again, my job is to be honest on this podcast, not to, uh, shade the truth. Um, I was, I had been working in home health for six months. I'd created some amazing relationships with some older individuals in the Denver community. I quickly realized that there was a lot of people in Denver with a lot of money and all they wanted was just results. And I said, first, this is the, like um, an amazing city to create a practice like this. in. and then second, all these people want to see is me. They don't care about the home health company that I'm working for. They don't even know the name of the home health company. They just know Josh. And so I literally told them like those two or three three men that I was seeing was like, look, if you want to see me, uh, I'm starting my own practice, but I also want to be ethical about this. You need to be fully discharged. And I don't want to discharge you just because I want to see you privately. I want to discharge you because you actually need to be discharged. When you are fully to the point you need to be discharged and Medicare, or I'm sorry, uh, both of these guys were on Blue Cross actually, and Blue Cross is no longer paying for you, then you can contact me. And so I was terrified that I was going to do something illegal or whatever it may be. And so I did everything by the book. And, but then I basically told him, I was like, but you guys have my contact information and, uh, you know, would love to be in touch. And basically that's how I got my first two clients. Um, and then, you know, just one more thing, cause I think this is super helpful is, um, I started to relentlessly ask people that I knew, which by the way, I had just moved to Denver. I didn't know anybody, but I quickly was establishing relationships with people. And I quickly started asking people that I knew and previous patients that I'd seen through that home health company. Do you know anyone that would be a very good fit for me to help? I would love to be able to help them. And I, even if it's for free, like I love to help them right now. Um, I'm just trying to get my business off the ground and really like, I had to make it happen. My back was against the wall. My wife, I was, I was newly married. Um, I was bringing my unhappiness over into our marriage. My wife was saying, Josh, you better figure your stuff out. Um, my back was against the wall. And so really I, I was asking everyone like, Hey, who do you know? Who can I help? I'll do it for free. I'll trade services. If you're a massage therapist, you, you know, I don't even like massages, but give me a massage therapy, you know, massage and, and I'll give you a treatment. Right. Um, it was just relentlessness and we can, we can get into that, but I'm not sure if you really want to, but it was just pure 
relentlessness. And, and, uh, and, and that's how the, the business started to take off pretty fairly quickly. And was your practice all in Denver? So you were doing this in Denver for a while. Are you still in Denver? No, I'm in Texas. So um, I actually sold uh, Freedom Physical Therapy to one of my really good friends in Denver, who's a physical therapist, obviously. Um, I sold it to him, not, so not to get my timeline wrong. Uh, <laughs> wow, ten, uh, 10 months ago, 10 months ago, yeah. Oh my goodness. So, okay, you started it in 2017. That was 2019 when you sold it. So two years yep. after. So for two, and a half, two and a half years after two and a half two years after. and a yep. half years later, you can build something. Okay. I'm not going to go on a whole side rant. <laughs> Gabby's laughing <laughs> uh, for all of you listening. <laughs> you just all the students right now, it took you longer than two and a half years to get through PT school. At least it takes you at least two and a half years. Imagine the difference your life could like, just imagine how different your life could be two and a half years out of PT school in less time than it took you to get through PT school. You built and sold a business in that time. And I think that's incredible. I think it's really important to touch on Sarah, because I think about it all the time. And that's actually why my wife and I were going over the timeline the other day. We were like, wait a second, you're a full-time online business coach. And I have been now for the last, the last 10 months full-time, making a great living. And I literally sit at this desk at our home and I get to be home with my wife and my child every single day. And two and a half years of really putting in hard work set up to do that. Now, did I know that I was going to become a coach? No, heck no. Um, but but I, I knew that the key to having a different life and to also you know, achieving what I wanted to achieve in PT lied in entrepreneurship. Two and a half years. <laughs> That's mind blowing. Like for everyone out there, especially for students who are about to go into their third year or graduate, just really, or even about to start PT school. Like just think about, think about this. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> we're just also thinking, I, I don't want to bring it back yeah. to Gabby and I, yeah. um, but like, Gabby and I didn't even know, we were just going through our timeline yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, we only started our LLC in August. Of 19. Of 19. Amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's just mind blowing for every other person we also have on, like yourself. Um, this doesn't have to take 10 years. This doesn't have to be your retirement plan for 30 years from now when you finally, quote unquote, get to enjoy your life. And I have one question for you, Josh, and it's related to student, you know, your student loans. Have you paid off all of your student loans? No. Okay. No. Um, I'll, I'll, again, uh, brutal, brutally honest. Um, we've, uh, my, my wife and I have basically, um, how honest do I want to be? But yeah, let's just be very honest. All right. So here we have not is the answer to your question, but here is why. Um, we, we, had to, we had to also acquire debt to have the business that I now have. And so we actually had to go into much further debt um, to be in the position that now I'm in. And so we're still climbing our, ourselves out. But would I rather be in this position or I'm actually in the position to climb myself out? Or would I rather still be working for someone and still accruing debt? 
Now I'm in this situation to actually start attacking that debt. Um, and so I want people to really understand. And I get so frustrated because I know the, I know the light now of entrepreneurship, but when I see people and I hear people and they're not willing to maybe go into a little bit more debt to start the business of their dreams or to uh, make those sacrifices, then to be honest with you, I, 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 I say, I, sometimes I do tell them that I don't think you want it bad enough because what I've learned in this entrepreneurship journey is people may, some of you may be listening and saying, Oh my gosh, you get to work from home and, and you make a good living. Yeah, guys, I make a, a healthy six figure living being at home, being an online business coach. And I love what I do like to the bone. I love every minute that I do. and I've never felt that I was more called to do something in my life than this. But there's been some massive sacrifices along the way. Financially, emotionally, I've become a different person. I like the person who I am, I am now, but like my goodness, like it, it's taken so many sacrifices, including my wife having to work her butt off for about a year before, before I could just get us moving in the right direction so she didn't have to work on the weekends anymore. So many sacrifices. And so if you want something, you just got to understand that you're going to have to make sacrifices. And sometimes that's financial. And I get, I get it that some of you are going to be coming out with a lot of debt, but here's, here's the harsh reality. Your situation is no different than any other PT across the entire country. If you really want something, stop telling yourself the story that you're in a lot of debt and go get it. I'm not telling you to go in another hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, but if you want something, you'll figure out a way to get it. So to be brutally honest, I think we probably went into another probably ten to $15,000 worth of debt, um, which we've, we've, we've now been able to uh, you know, pay off, but now we're climbing our way back at the student loans. You made it sound like initially it was going to be a lot more than ten to 15000 Everyone listening is like, that's a semester of PT school. That's less than a semester of PT school. My first semester was $17,000. You bet. So for people listening, they're like, oh, like that's doable. So doable for people. You know, my wife is right though. Like I, I, I get, I get numbers wrong so often. If I, I can guarantee you, if you asked her, I pro it probably would be more like 15 to 20 or 20 plus. But uh, I, I, to be honest with you guys, like my wife deals with the finances and I just, I just work on being a good business owner. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's the important part. <laughs> you got it. Oh man. There's so many rabbit holes I want to go down, but we're kind of coming to the end of our time here. Gabby, do you have one more question? So right now, so you said, um, you know, you're working from home, you're able to be with your family and coach other, um, just coach other concierge PTs and uh, you know, now like where you are today. So um, you're an online business coach. Um, are there any other things that you've done, any speaking opportunities that you've had um, any books that you've written? Yeah. So uh, myself and David Bailiff, we've got a podcast as well called the mobile PT podcast um, that we've been doing together with for the last year and a half. It's been super successful. Um, and then we've got, um, uh, I, I wrote my book, the concierge PT success formula last year. Um, actually today, which 
this is part of the beautiful thing of opening up more time in your life is I literally have both of you today in this interview, and then I have the rest of the day to work on my next book. Um, and so uh, I actually don't have any coaching calls today. I usually do coaching calls on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Um, and I usually don't have coaching calls on Fridays either. Um, and so uh, I've, I'm actually going to be working on my next book literally as, as we get done with this podcast. But um, so yes, books, I, I love what I've realized along this process and it's not to say, oh my gosh, look at, look at me. It's just to say, I've found that I really enjoy writing um, and I really enjoy sharing knowledge. I really enjoy teaching people. Um, so it's just brought out this whole other beast of, of uh, like an obsession for me to, to teach other people and stuff. And I have one question before our last question, actually. Uh, are you trading still? And if not... What do you think about the change? I just want to put into perspective for people who hear the answer to that question, because I know the answer, but for the people who hear it, um, how are you kind of coming to terms with that and how you're impacting, you know, physical therapy as a profession now? Yeah. So I, I don't treat anymore. Um, I don't treat anymore at all. The last 10 months, I haven't laid a hand on a person to treat them. And um, I've still never been more fulfilled in what I'm doing. Um, and I don't plan on treating moving forward. Um, I do plan on keeping my license, but, uh, but I don't plan on moving, uh, treating moving forward. And here's why, because I've realized that the impact that we can have is so much larger by helping young physical therapists to start their own cash practices. Then they go on and they impact their patients and their clients. And we're able to make such a larger impact. And really, I think for most of us, that's really all we want is impact on this world, right? And that's, I feel like all I've been searching for my entire career is I just want to feel that I'm making a true impact. And I never felt that when I was with the other companies that I was with and the other positions I was with. And now that I feel that it feels so good and it feels so right to know that like, okay, I'm on the path that I need to be going down. This is what I need to be doing. And I'm, I'm enjoying it every step of the way. And so, no, I'm not, but uh, I feel really, really good about that as well. That's an amazing answer. I was hoping you would go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> yes, last question. Okay, so what advice would you give to current PT students, especially now with we're talking during COVID-19 and all this going on, um, but just we talked about a lot today. There are so many things, but if there is one thing uh, you would give, what would it be? So if you would ask me this question three months ago, before COVID-19, I would have a, a different response for you. I probably would have told you to start your own mobile concierge practice. I love mobile practices and I'm going to teach, continue to teach people how to start their own concierge practices because I'm such a firm believer in it. But now post COVID-19, I'm going to give you a different answer and I'm going to tell you, you must figure out a way to go online. You must, because all of our practice owners were now encouraging to go into a hybrid model. So what's a hybrid model? They're basically gonna be seeing people uh, half the time and then doing uh, you know, uh, telehealth with people half the time. And some other cool ways that, that we're gonna integrate online as well, but um, we won't get into that right now. And so all I would tell you is you've, you've gotta figure out how to be online. And then if you wanna make an impact, you've got to figure out a way to start being heard. Gabby and Sarah have their own podcast. And they're heard 
right? They publish on a regular basis. And so two things, figure out how to get yourself online. And number two, get over your fear and start putting yourself out there and start publishing in some way. If you like to write, start blogging. If you like to write, write a book. I know that sounds challenging, but it's not as challenging as you might think. Um, maybe you like to speak, start a podcast. Maybe you love being on video, start a YouTube channel or start a Facebook group or whatever it may be. You could literally have your own TV show on Facebook if you want to by starting your own Facebook group and going live once a week. Start publishing because if you ever want to get online and you ever want to make money online, here's the biggest misconception. And I know both of you know this more than anyone. If you don't have an audience, you will not sell anything online. Therefore, you will make zero impact. You must have an audience. And so you've got to have somebody that you're impacting. You've got to have, and so, but don't get wrapped up into this. Don't get wrapped up into, oh my gosh, I've got this many followers on Instagram or this on Facebook. Guys, I have 1,400 followers on Instagram and we have a six-figure business. Like that stuff doesn't matter. You just need to have a, a following of some kind. You need to have an audience of some kind. Don't get worried about the numbers. Just worried about the audience and the impact that you're having, but start growing that today. Start figuring out how you can start something today because this online thing is only going to get, wor is only going to get more crazy and it's only going to get worse after COVID-19. If you do not find yourself online, you're going to be left in the dust. And so that's not to scare you. I'm saying this to hopefully motivate you to say, start, start publishing. If you don't know how to do that, reach out to Gabby and Sarah or reach out to me. And then also start figuring out and, and, and reaching out to others like these two, which you, if you're listening to this podcast, you've obviously probably listened to other Gabby and Sarah's podcasts. These two are online as well. Like ask them about, like, like I'm not, and I'm not, they don't pay me to say this. Like I, I would literally reach out to them and ask because they're students who are doing it and they're so far ahead of so many other students, but you've got to understand this is the future of PT. And if you don't really truly grasp that, you're going to be left behind. Great tips for students, everyone who was listening. Rewind across too much. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Everyone, go rewind it and listen yes. to that. <laughs> oh, that was so good. And you just need that, you know, that real that real talk. Like this is what's happening right now. We are not in pre-COVID like it used to be. This is going to be a new normal, a new everything. And as a student, just look into telehealth right now. Like this is where you're going to be if you're graduating this year or next year, really in the next like two to three years, telehealth, like it's going to be something you need to know now. And what better way to know as a student, like just be able to, to have this and have experience with it. Because then when you're out, you can utilize these skills and other ones like Josh has talked about and really leverage yourself. And, oh man, I just, so many things, but we'll stop there. We get on yeah, side tangents. And, and, <laughs> no, it's all good. I'll, I'll add one quick thing for any of you that are listening. They're like, okay, cool. Like I need to learn more about this. I mean, ask your professors about telehealth, ask questions, like really, really dive into it. Um, and, and, and if you find people on social media, like Gabby and Sarah, or even myself that, that maybe you're like, oh my gosh, um, it'd be great if we could learn more from them, invite them to come speak at your school. Like, I'll be honest, this is maybe just a shameless plug. I love speaking. 
if any of you were to reach out and say, hey, Josh, we'd love for you to speak at our school, I would literally fly as long as, as, long as we're, we're good to go after COVID-19 up to that school and speak. That's how much I enjoy it. Like those opportunities are there for you to learn. And so while you're in school, like reach out to people on social media. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Like if I had to go back and just do one thing, it would be don't be afraid to ask more people more questions. Because like it, all the information that you could possibly want is possibly in your DMs on social media. It's That's true. It. Uh, I don't know if we've told you this story, Josh, but um, the only reason Gabby and I have this is because I slid into her DMs. <laughs> the only <laughs> reason this exists is because I slid into Gabby's DMs. <laughs> That's it. That's the key to You're one DM away. Yes. <laughs> You're one DM away. That's our, that's our plug. That's it. So where can awesome. people find you on social media? Because we know students are going to be reaching out to you after hearing this and they're going to be like, where is, where is Josh? Where can I contact him? Yeah. So uh, Josh Payne on Facebook. That's it. Or uh, on Instagram, you can follow the concierge PT on Facebook as well. You can check us out on the Mobile PT Podcast. Um, my website is uh, joshpainpt.com. You can go there and uh, check out what we're doing. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Josh. We, we appreciate it. This has been a long time in the making, so it's been great to finally get you on. You're so welcome. It's been a blast. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast or really anyone. Physio Memes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.